It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Ready to cook? Well, my guest is Alicia Chevatone. She's Las Vegas's pop-up chef, television personality, creator of Dink Cuisine, a food and entertainment organization that curates culinary experiences across print, digital, social, and live media. And we'll compact that out and explain exactly what that means, because that's, that's a mouthful. She's also author of Italian Cookbook for Two and Vegetarian Ketogenic Cookbook for Beginners. She's got a new book coming out, too, but I'll talk about that. And if that weren't enough, Chef Alicia also has a line of spirit-infused seasonings called Distilled Spices, seven signature blends concocted in Vegas. For everything about Chef Alicia Chevetone, go to dinkcuisine.com, D-I-N-K, dinkcuisine.com, and distilledspices.com. And you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest. And Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ira. Sure. You have so many things going on that I suspect you have ADHD. Would I be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, okay. no. I just, uh, I guess I have a lot of energy. I don't know. I don't really sleep very much. So, but it's through excitement, not because I can't sleep. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, I, I, every time I'm reading your background and what happened and how you got here, and I want, I want you to share with our viewers and listeners about that. But every time I read through it, it's like, how does she have the energy to do all that? And then I realize that I'm somewhat lazy, so that's probably why. I, and I sleep, so unlike you, I do yeah. actually sleep. <laughs> but you look better than me anyway, sleeping. So, so DINK, which is interesting, DINK cuisines, DINK stands for Dual Income No Kids, right? Right. And I want you to work on your next project, NINK, which is No Income No Kids. So if you can work on that, see how we do with that. So uh, That's a good one. I haven't heard that one. I've heard of SYNCs, which is Single Income No Kids. But yeah, NINK is like, yeah. Yeah, it's primarily for poor people who have no kids. So yeah, you can create a whole cuisine. How did you get into the whole area of cooking and then into spirits and spices and all of that? We'll talk about all that. We have the time to do it. But how, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, you know, I um, I grew up in Silicon Valley, and entrepreneurship is is just you know embedded there. Oh yeah, uh, DNA. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of part of you know the California dream. And and you know, I I was one of those kids who thought she knew what she wanted to do. You know, when she grew up, and I wanted to be a lawyer. You know, went to law school. First year in law school, realized. I don't like law at all. Uh, See, again, you know, again ADHD. <laughs> I mean, you're going from college to law school to now what you're doing in Las Vegas. So, all right, go ahead. I, I, I had to interrupt again with that. No, 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 no. But, you know, it, it was a moment of panic set in because, you know, with a liberal arts degree, I, I didn't want to teach. I, you know, I was an English major with a writing emphasis. I, I had no idea. You know, I wanted to prepare myself for law school to be able to, you know, read a lot, write a lot, you know, that sort of thing, and just sort of interpret from a, a composition perspective. And then it was like, well, okay, now what do I do? So I went through, actually finished my Juris Doctorate, and then went into high tech sales because I didn't know what else to do. And it was <laughs> oh, sure. The uh, Silicon Valley 90s is like what, what everybody else did. You know, you oh. went into high tech sales. Um, Logical segue from law school, sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was a little bit of thought that went into it because I realized that every job, I had worked full time 
pretty much from high school graduation all the way through undergrad and, and law school. So, and every job I had had sales in some sort of capacity. So it wasn't that much of a stretch. So I actually knew how to sell. But then, you know, I got into professional services. So I, I kind of worked my way up, was promoted to uh, become an executive uh, in 2011. You know, several years after that, I was promoted to CEO of a consulting firm in, in Silicon Valley, you know, which is, you know, still part of, of what I do. I, I still do have that position and I still do contribute you know, to that firm and it's corporate training. So big clients like Amazon, Adobe, Mm -hmm. you know, Walmart, you know, those, those sorts of companies and, and corporate training. And when I, when I look back on my career and I realized that my personal passion was food and everything in my family really had to do with food at its core. Mm -hmm. When you celebrate, when you're sad, when you're trying to comfort someone, there was always food involved. And my mom is a phenomenal cook. Piedmont area of Italy, Northern Italian, mm-hmm. as the my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family is French. My grandfather was born in Lyon. Grandmother was born in Marseille. So straight down the middle, French and Italian, just food is just kind of part of who I am. Sure. Started cooking. And right before I turned 50, I decided that I wanted to give a gift to my mom and publish a cookbook. So I wrote my first cookbook, self-published that, called it Italian Cookbook for Two. Mm -hmm. And that was when I realized that people responded really, really well to recipes for two. Personally, as I got older and as I hit middle age, I was starting to gain a lot of weight because I'm a good soldier and I take a recipe from a cookbook or online and it's six to eight servings. Right. And... I'm not a meal planner. I I don't believe in that. I believe in eating for the moment, not two weeks from now and Mm -hmm. pulling a brick out of the freezer. I wanted, I realized I was eating higher, more portions than I was supposed to just simply because the recipe was there and there was only me and my husband. So, um, and you didn't want to waste, you didn't want to waste the food. You don't want to waste the food. And, you know, so you, you know, leftovers, whatever. I'm not, you know, really into leftovers. I would rather, be very mindful about what I'm making, create recipes for two. So that's really how Dual Income No Kids Dink Cuisine was formed. In addition to writing the cookbook for two, it, it really just sort of took off. And all of a sudden, I had this second act that, that people are really <laughs> responding well to. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because given your background, and you answered my question before I got asked it, which is what kind of food you were raised with, but mm-hmm. you explained Italian and French, which is a great combination. Yeah. But also to the fact that coming from your family, it would seem that Dink is, is in a way foreign because you're normally cooking for a whole family and you're eating for a whole family. So this was a, a leap you had to make to realize I don't want to waste food now. It's just me and my husband and the 14 goats and the, the three cats and all that stuff, but they don't eat your food. So, I mean, I'm making that up. You don't have goats and cats, or maybe you do. <laughs> I do not. You, okay, you don't. But uh, so now you come up. How did you scale it so that the recipes would work for you? Because I would imagine it's not just taking what the original recipe was, say for four or eight or twelve, and scaling mm-hmm. it down. I think you had to modify it even more. Would I be right? Wrong in between? Yeah, and so I am an only child, and my mom. The way that my mom cooked when I was little and all throughout, you know, even even now is. Is, is smaller portions. We're not, we weren't the type of family that had like, you know, 20 people over. Mm. 
you know, at any given time there were, you know, she was cooking for two or for three at the most. So, and the, or if I had a friend over before, but yeah, there's a lot of math. So when you, when you try to take something like lasagna, let's just take something very basic right. like lasagna. My strategy is you change the vessel, right? So you have to change it from like a, a big casserole dish to a loaf pan. So mm-hmm. when you, when you put something in the form of a loaf pan, which is almost still too big, you know, for, for two portions, that's like two really gigantic pieces of lasagna. But if you change the vessel and you, you sort of change the, you know, obviously you scale down the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Those are sort of ways that, you know, you use everything has become smaller, everything smaller format from, you know, your, your utensils, you know, the, the spatulas you're using. I mean, you're not using something that's like this big. You're using something that's this big and you just, it's a, it's a philosophy. It's a way to sort of scale back your kitchen. All the ingredients that you have, all the equipment that you have just gets smaller and it just works. But yeah, there is a lot of math when it comes to the ingredients. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> and then there is a definite market for this because there are a lot of couples that are dual income, no kids, or even mm-hmm. just the kids have grown and they're gone, you know, to college or work or whatever. And so here's another way of approaching it. Of all the dishes that you put together for your book, and you have two books and a third on the way, what was your favorite dish? Was it lasagna, as you mentioned, or was it something else? There's a white chicken lasagna that's in my first cookbook that is just phenomenal. It has ground chicken, which a lot of people don't, you know, you think Italian food, you know, most people are familiar Mm -hmm. with Italian sausage or, you know, of course, like in a traditional bolognese, you know, you would use, you know, ground beef or, you know, obviously different ways to make it. But my white chicken lasagna is made with, with ground chicken. And it's, so it's a bechamel. It's a be, that's just more the French influence, right? A northern mm-hmm. Italian in, in the north, you see a lot more cream sauces. It's more risotto. It's more, you know, it's, it's different than the, than when we think of Italian food here in the U.S., which is the red sauces and the, mm-hmm. you know, the deep, the hearty. This is, and I don't want to use the word, word refined because it's not like good or bad. It's just, it's more of the butter, the cream, the, the influence of the North, which is also a French influence from my dad's side. Yeah. Have so you, it's, a, it's a really good recipe. Have you heard from readers outside of the United States that have bought the, the cookbooks and are experimenting with what the recipes are in there? Have you heard from um, people? You know, I, my, my, my demographic is, is very much American. It's oh, very domestic. Okay. Now, for my website, that's an interesting thing that you bring up, Ira, because from my website, I, my website garners you know, viewers from attention from over a hundred countries, yeah, um, a lot of people from Canada. Um, and there are, there, you know, I do get a lot of people coming to the website from Italy, but in terms of like people that are actually buying my books and stuff, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty American actually. <laughs> I forgot to ask you earlier, but it's a, I think it's a good question. What's your husband's reaction to your midlife change of career and focus? Is he supportive or is he okay with it? or? Okay. Yeah, well, he gets, he's, he's my primary recipe tester. So, oh, of course. <laughs> but he's, um, and he's an artist. So he's, you know, same type of story, you know, very corporate, you know, kind of grew up. He was a musician in the 80s, still is a musician, but he was in bands, put out an album in 1987. He'll be the first to tell you. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, so just as I was sort of entering my, my cuisine phase, like right. he's painting and he's been, you know, his, his focus now is getting into different galleries here in Vegas. He actually has uh, an exhibit in New Mexico 
And I think that's going on right now. So he is extremely prolific um, from an art perspective. Uh, acrylic on canvas is his medium. And so he does, he's busy and he doesn't need me to, you know. <laughs> does it? Does he have a website? You can mention it if you want. He does. It's ShevatonArtGallery.com. Yeah. All of his stuff right. is available online and in print. So people can buy originals, of course, but you know, they can also buy prints, which a lot of our friends and network here in Vegas have been incredibly supportive. And he's uh, doing a lot of Asian inspired artwork. So he's getting a lot of attention in Japan, actually. So, hmm. He could also yeah. do some acrylic of some of your dishes. That would be a great way of it would be good, yeah, right? helping the marriage, I think. You know, mention it to him, see what he says. I will. That's yeah. a good idea. Of course. <laughs> and then you also do pop ups. So, uh, just for the record, uh, for our listeners and viewers, Alicia popped up in my kitchen the other day and made me a wonderful salad and a, a little chicken on the side. I'm making that up. She didn't pop up. <laughs> so, how often do you do a pop up around Las Vegas? Well, so the pop-ups, um, I had a, I have a summer series that's at Forte Tapas. So I don't know if you know Nina Manchev. Yes, she was on the show. Yes. Yeah, she's she's amazing. A friend of mine, and she's been incredibly supportive. We've got a pop-up going at Forte Tapas on July 26th, actually, which is only two tickets away from being sold out. But uh, oh, all right. I'm really excited about that. And um, uh, that's a great you know, restaurant. I, she was on my other show, uh, my other podcast, Ira's Everything Bagel, where she was a guest. Wonderful cuisine and wonderful food. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, you're two yeah, tickets away here. then. Two tickets away. Well, listen, maybe you'll get those <laughs> sold and you'll be fine. So, you're, it's a summer series. So, you do it seasonally. Would that be the way to explain it? You know, so there's just so many different things that I've done. I've, I've had a residency at Vegas Valley Winery for two years. And we're taking a break for the summer because they start to get really busy in September for winemaking. They've got a wine school there through Grape Expectations. You might be familiar with it. Very familiar with Grape Expectations for many years. (laughs) So it starts to get super tight back there. And in the tasting room, you know, we usually cap it to 30 tickets. It sells out every time Mm -hmm. we've been doing those every other month. We're going to take a break and pick those up again, probably in October or November. So no dates set yet. But that's been something that's been, you know, phenomenal for the past two years that uh, we know will continue. So so look for more dates on that as well. Good. Before I, I want to talk to you about your spices in a moment, but let's mention your th- third cookbook called Food with Spirit. It's on pre-sale now, shipped, I believe, September 26th. Yes, it and does. Food with Spirit indicates to me that there is alcohol involved. Am I correct? Or is it a play on words. It's it's spirit meaning your enthusiasm and also the alcohol. Or <laughs> great play on words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is actually fifty alcohol infused recipes. So I break it down from you know appetizers, sides, soup, mains, and desserts, and um, I go across the spectrum. So, and it's what I say in the introduction is that. I am not really a big spirit drinker. I I pretty much tap out at vodka. Vodka and coconut rum. I know that's interesting combination. A chef, but it's, I, you know, everybody loves bourbon and whiskey and things like that. And I just, I can't drink it. So that is my workaround because if I cook with it, I kind of feel like I can be part of it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I I would think it would be kind of hard for you to market it to AA though, because of the, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that wouldn't work. But yeah. so you, you've created, in addition to this cookbook, the new one coming out, you also have a whole other, and we mentioned in the beginning, distilledspices.com. So these are spices. Once again, I'm beginning to think you have a problem, Alicia, because it's, again, infused with spirits. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> all my all my pop ups are sort of alcohol related. I don't think well, I have done. I did one brunch pop up that was paired with coffees, different types of coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, at a taste of coffee in Henderson, that was super fun. But yeah, everything else is, is <laughs> involving some sort of alcohol by volume. Yeah, so the the distilled spices um, are seven blends that are premium spice blends, spirit infused with real alcohol. So no imitation flavors. There are a lot of sauces and rubs that are uh, available on the market. By and large, 99% of them are imitation flavors. Um, mm. Just like you would get like a an extract mm-hmm. um, when you're baking, like a rum extract. Mm-hmm. It's nine, 99% of the time you're getting artificial flavors. I was approached by a local manufacturer to dress the drink here in Las Vegas at a, an event that I had at Sahara. It was a pop-up event to celebrate Global Entrepreneurship Week. It was last November. And Cindy McClure, who owns Dress the Drink, She's been in business, I think, for about 14 or 15 years, just doubled the size of her facility here in Las Vegas. Um, she manufactures garnishes, syrups. She also has a seasoning line. She works with, you know, Sahara, Golden Tiki, Disney, mm-hmm. Starbucks, really, really big companies. Asked me if I had ever considered, uh, because of my new cookbook, Food with Spirit, which we were promoting, you know, as early as back in November, mm-hmm. having a seasoning line that would be alcohol infused and not something that I had ever considered until she approached me. And it took six months to put together because we were very, very mindful about, you know, the blends and balance and which spirits were we going to use. And and you were falling to- asleep at the kitchen table, putting those spirits in there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> but yeah. But, you know, like, I don't know if you remember when you were, you know, maybe in the, in the 80s or, you know, a kid, you know, the the French onion soup mix that would come mm-hmm. in the And I then do. you would pour it into a tub of sour cream. What I wanted was to have something that was nostalgic, not just seasonings for rubs, but seasonings that people could use in a variety of ways. So I have a French onion blend that's brandy infused. But they're not meant to be boozy. I mean, they're very, they're very subtle. It's more about the balance of flavor and sort of like the Vegas kind of spirit component of, Hey, this is something that's really cool and edgy. It's not meant to be boozy, but you take the French onion, you can put it in Greek yogurt, or you could use my limoncello pepper, which is, you know, an elevated version of lemon pepper. Everybody loves lemon pepper. I make mine with limoncello. Mm-hmm. Um, same sort of thing. Put it in Greek yogurt. It makes a phenomenal dip. In addition to using it in, you know, with proteins and, you know, all the other things that you would use seasonings and rubs for. Well, I know that when you cook with alcohol, it tends to dissipate, the alcohol content dissipates. In the spices that you do, are the, is the alcoholic content still there or is it diminished somewhat? How does that work? It's, it's less than 3% alcohol by volume. So it is, it is actual ingredients, you know, actual liquor that is infused into the blends, right. but it, it's sort of balanced out. And by the time it's, it, it actually settles and, and soaks in, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a very, very small amount, but yes, it is actual alcohol so, and it is divulged on the packaging, but they're all, every single blend is less than 3% alcohol by volume. Would you technically then have to be 21 to buy it? No. <laughs> okay. Interesting. No, no. Just like when you buy like a, like a, a bourbon barbecue sauce or, or something. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. It's, it's a consumer packaged good. And all the, the label is to FDA specifications right. for all of these things, including the divulging alcohol as a liquor, as you, a ingredient. 
Well, you mentioned it took you about six months to put it together. That's not that long, actually, when you think about it, in terms of getting the ratios right and the taste mm-hmm. right and the impact right and all of that. That's that's actually pretty fast. Yeah, it seemed like forever. I mean, honestly, and I I joke about this, but it's it's the truth. I, I think I put more time and effort into launching this brand than I did all three of my cookbooks combined. I mean, it's... It was truly a labor of love. And it's only because I'm, again, maybe it's a Silicon Valley thing. I'm just used to doing things so quickly mm-hmm. um, that it it seems like it took forever. I guess it really didn't, but it It, it seemed like, like it. it. Yeah, no, for you it would because you obviously you're a type A personality, which is yeah. exhausting to me. But okay, somebody <laughs> has to be that way. When you when you were looking at the spices too, I would think it's similar to, to baking in that the Unlike cooking where you can fool around a little bit with proportion or portion control and, and, and different ratios and still get a great result, in baking you have to be exact, at least that's my understanding. So is it the same with the spices that you have to be exact and that's why I took that six-month period, get it exact, and then you, you don't deviate from that formula? Yeah, it really is. And it's, I mean, it's, it's repeatable, right? So this is, this is something that has to be consistent every time. So when you manufacture something and you're packaging a product at you know, there's, there's no variance. I mean, it has to be, you know, bottle to bottle. It has jar to jar. It has to taste the same. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very much a sense of balance. And I'll, I'll use Manhattan barbecue, that particular blend as an example, the, the Manhattan barbecue ribs was a, a recipe in my first cookbook. I make my own uh, Manhattan barbecue sauce. And what we did was to essentially translate that sauce into a spice rub, but the, the blend of the, the flavors, it took a while because what you have are components like, you know, hickory and the sweetness and the brown sugar and the bourbon and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ratios matter. And it's not necessarily as you would put together something that's in sauce form because the, the potency of the spices is different when you're, when you, when you only have something that's dry and something that's mm-hmm. dried. So yeah, it's, it, it takes a while. You'd be surprised. <laughs> no, I would imagine. How long is, uh, are the spices good for? I know that when you buy spices in general, there's a certain, they don't give you an expiration date, but it, it loosens, yeah. loses its potency over time. So in your case with distilled spices, is it a year, year and a half, somewhere in there? Yeah, I, I, I tell people shelf life, a shelf life is about 18 months. I mean, you, you know, most people are telling me that they're getting through their blends, you know, within, you know, certainly three to six months. Um, well, sure. Those are, those are alcoholics. Of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> That's my demographic. Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I would say, you know, long past a year and a half, then you start to, to really lose some of the, the punch of the flavor. I mean, it's still going to be great, but it's, you know, that's what people, people leave spices in their pantry for, you know, years. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I'm guilty. We yes. talked about shelf life. What about chef life? Your life? You, you, <laughs> you've changed direction. So do you anticipate performing as a chef and doing all these other things in the next 10, 15, 20 years? Or do you think you're going to shift again and surprise us all by becoming a, a monk or a, a nun or a, I don't know, something else? No. no. Although I did, I did act in high school and I was... I think it was the Crucible. Now I'm trying to remember the name of the play, but I played I played a nun. I played the Vicarus was my was my role. 
And I, my mom took pictures of me. Now, granted, I was in full makeup, so I don't even know how they fell for this, but <laughs> sent pictures to my, to my cousins and then said that I would, I enrolled in it. I mean, that I was, I went into a convent. Right. And they believed it and they were very traumatized by that. So, see, but- I knew I was on the right track here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I guess my larger question is given your restlessness and creativity and drive and lack of sleep, are you going to for the are you going to be staying in this in this lane for the next 10 15 years and then yeah. try something totally different or No. No, I think honestly I love writing. So I mean I do kind of want to stay with cookbooks and I really love TV. You know, it when you when you come up as I have, I like to say that I'm more sort of, you know, Rachel Ray than Jada De Laurentiis, right? I'm I'm <laughs> I'm more the kind of homegrown home cook chef. Down to um, earth. Didn't go to culinary school. I have a practical perspective mm-hmm. of what it takes to cook at home. And I think sometimes formally trained chefs lose sight of that because they're in restaurants, they're in commercial kitchens, and they, they lose sight of what it, it feels like to have to cook for yourself and for your family. Right. Home cooked meal, in uh, other words. Yeah, I mean, it's just... But I will say that I, I was raised on food TV. I mean, from PBS at very, very young age... You know, watching Jacques Pepin, you know, watching, you know, Martin Yan. And now, you know, he's got a restaurant here in Vegas, mm-hmm. which is amazing. You know, great chefs of the world. Enter Food Network in the 90s. I mean, I, you know, learned how to cook through watching really, really great cooks on, on TV. And I would love to be able to carry that forward. I do have a streaming cooking show called Sin City Kitchen. And I would like to go national and, you know, bring this to a broader, to mm-hmm. a broader stage is really what I want to be able to do. Food media, I think is very, very important. Digital media, print media, of course, everybody, you know, still reads magazines. I think it's great. A lot of people get their, consume their content online, but I think, you know, being able to kind of, you know, reach an audience nationally on on some sort of syndicated show would be mm-hmm. amazing for anyone who's watching. You mentioned, yes, you mentioned other chefs. Uh, did you watch Do Your Child as well? Of course. All right. Oh, yeah. Throw, throw yeah. it out there. And she, yeah. she had an interesting background, too. She wasn't like you with Silicon Valley, but she, she was with the CIA and all of that. That's a oh, for part sure. of her background. And she, yeah. she discovered, she found her voice later in life. Right. Which is also amazing. I mean, to carry that at the, at the time that she lived, to carry as a middle-aged woman, to kind of find her voice and to find this niche and bring it to the people, you know, bring it to at the time it was housewives. But at, at the time that, that was innovative, exciting, new, different and very, very bold for the age that she was. And, you know, for me to really sort of discover this, I'm 52 now, is probably about, you know, 48, 49 when I started doing mm-hmm. this very, very seriously. I can relate to, you know, Gen X women in, in my age group who, you know, might want to try to do the same thing. It's possible. This isn't something that, you know, nobody can do except me. This is, everybody can do this. This is, you know, you can you can write cookbooks, you can find a publisher, you can write a book proposal, you can do these things. I mean, it's this is possible. Yes, you've and got energy and you don't sleep. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the one thing where you're missing the boat is that you mentioned earlier that your book is really designed for the American market, but coming from your background, I would think you would almost want to make it international or global just from a sales perspective and an, an influence yeah. perspective. Would you see that down the line? expanding that universe for you? 
Absolutely. In particular, food with spirit. So food with spirit is available on Amazon for pre-sale now and it ships on September 26th. So it is available now. And it's a hard copy book. And the, the with food stains all over it. Yes. <laughs> the the inspiration for that book is very global. I mean, okay. I've got like a, a cod miso soup that is very impi- inspired by Japanese cuisine. I have, you know, ceviche and you know things from from truly all over the world. So it, it is a type of book that you know people can be inspired by by the global cuisine and and not just American recipes. So that is definitely a departure where I hopefully will get some international interest. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been mm-hmm. Chef Alicia Chevatone. She's a Las Vegas pop up chef, television personality, creator of Ding Cuisine, and she's author of two books at the moment and a third book on the way in September. The two books are Italian Cookbook for Two and Vegetarian Ketogenic Cookbook for Beginners. And then, of course, Food with Spirit, which is going to be available in September. You can go to Amazon for that as well. She also has a line of spirit-infused seasonings called Distilled Spices, seven signature blends, as we mentioned, concocted here in Las Vegas. So for everything about Chef Chevatone, go to dinkcuisine.com and distilledspices.com. And you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest. And Alicia, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ira. So nice to meet you. And thank you for having me on. Same here. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.